back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we continue our conversation on lots of things in the Catholic world. Uh, my name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined, as I always am, by Josh Sullivan. Welcome to you. Hello. And Matt Van Milligan. Welcome. Hello. Yes. Yeah, so... I like how enthusiastic you sounded. That I time. was enthusiastic. It's been a while, I guess, since we've been together for a taping of our podcast. I'm yeah. just excited to see you. Oh, that's, that's all. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And there's no false motivation there at all. You no. know, that's not, I'm not trying to butter you up for something that's coming up in this episode. But I'm excited to talk about our, our topic today because I, we've not addressed this before, I don't think, on no. our podcast. And it's a uh, question that I get a lot as a vocation director. Uh, and... It's a real ministry in the church. We're, we're going to be talking about permanent deacons. Yeah. Permanent deacons. <laughs> and um, there's there's history to it, obviously. And there's depends where you live right now in the, in the Catholic world. Maybe you have lots of Catholic deacons in your diocese, in your parish. And depends where you are. Maybe you haven't, haven't seen one in a long time <laughs> yeah. or never seen one. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we're going to... Sort of talk about what the diaconate is, uh, what deacons do, who are deacons, all that stuff, and um, if someone feels called to the diaconate, what yeah. do they do? Yeah. I think this is probably one that a lot of men, and women, but a lot of men particularly, because it's a call to them, if they weren't called to the priesthood and everything else, they're always interested, especially if they're very involved in the church, of what exactly this is. I know that when we were talking about it with Matt and we, with the guys behind the camera, we are all kind of like, oh yeah, we, this is a really good, like, this is something I pondered, this is something yeah. I've really yeah. wondered a lot about. Which is great. It's a vocation in the church, yeah. right? So uh, people are called to the diaconate just like they are to religious life or the priesthood. And uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I, I, there's a beautiful history to it. And maybe that's what we're starting out. Uh, actually, yeah. I just want to just uh, clarify. Yeah. There are two types of deacons. And right off the bat, I just want to clarify that. Um, there is what we call today a transitional deacon yeah. and a permanent deacon. And a transitional deacon is someone who is ordained a deacon who will be ordained a priest. Because there's, we talked about this before, but it, it, like at, when you're a seminarian, um, there are steps to kind of going up lectern, all that kind acolyte, of st- acolyte yes. and stuff, and then going into, then you are ordained a deacon. That's right. But the idea is that you're going on to become a priest. So a deacon receives the sacrament of holy orders. It, when, when I was talking to uh, a group of... Uh, what was it? I don't know if it was a group of children for First Communion or whatever it might be. I remember we were talking about the sacraments, how there's seven sacraments. And I asked, like, who here has received all seven sacraments? And the only person who could say that is Deacon Allen. Yeah. Deacon Allen <laughs> yeah. Uh, in He's our been parish is our orders. parish deacon. He's been married. He's received the sacrament of marriage. He's received the sacrament of holy orders. So uh, a deacon does <laughs> receive the sacrament of holy orders, right? And uh, in the sacrament of holy orders, you are ordained deacon, a priest, and a bishop. A bishop receives the sacrament of holy orders as well. So it's not just like a promotion. It's, a, no, it's no. an ordination to be, a, <laughs> to be a bishop. So there's transitional deacon, which is someone on their way to become a priest. And then there's permanent deacon, which what the title implies, they are a deacon permanently. Yeah, for right? life. Uh, and they're not going anywhere. Like they're, they're not, their intention is not to be ordained a priest. Although a permanent deacons, if their spouse dies... Have if they feel called to to be ordained a priest, they can they have that opportunity mm-hmm. uh, if if they go through further training mm-hmm. and uh, further discernment if that's that's their call. So there are two types of deacons: transitional. So for example, before I was ordained a priest, I was ordained a deacon a yeah. year before my priestly ordination. I was ordained uh, a deacon. 
And so I was a deacon for almost a year, about 11 months before I was ordained uh, to the priesthood. Uh, and so you'll, you'll see transitional deacons uh, training to be priests. So you'll see them in the seminary, uh, maybe on placement in the parish, that sort of thing. Yeah. But they are moving towards ordination to the priesthood. Permanent deacons you'll see in the parish. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, for the most part, married, although they don't have to be. They don't have to be married, but they can be married. And their job is, uh, well, there's a lot to their job. Maybe we'll get into that. But their job is really a role of service to the church. Yeah. And it goes all the way back to Acts, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6. And uh, when there were, remember, the seven men of good repute that they chose, and they were ordained uh, deacons to serve the church. And at the, the text in Acts 6 uh, says that they are to serve tables, serve at the table, which is a really beautiful way of looking at the ministry of the deacon because the deacon is an assistant to the priest at the Eucharistic table. Mm-hmm. You'll see the deacon beside the priest. And the deacon's job is really to minister to the people of God as as an as a help to the priest. So the priest obviously can't be everywhere. Yeah. And the deacon goes and assists. So he he is also visiting the sick. He is also visiting at the time of the scriptures was visiting widows and the people mm-hmm. who are disadvantaged, right? And uh, calling people to the table, right, to the table of the Lord. And he was just in service uh, to the people of God. Also. The deacon was ordained to be a helper of the bishop, like oh. it was to be a helper of 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 the bishop, and you still see that in some dioceses today, yeah. that deacons uh, who are kind of the right hand man of of the of the bishop sometimes yeah. they're given an ecclesiastical title, sometimes they could be have a role in the chancery. It was it was at one point you know an archdeacon. Yeah, it could be like the 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 bishop's right hand man sort of thing. I remember when I was altar serving for Bishop Pluff. And right. so when I was, when I was young, young, uh, and I remember that when a specific deacon used to show up at the pro cathedral, when I was altar serving, we knew the bishop was going to be there right. because this bishop, this, this deacon kind of went around and when the bishop was in town, he was the deacon that served at the mass and, and made sure, and he made sure that the altar servers knew what they were doing properly yeah. and make sure that everybody, you know what it's I mean? Like the bishop's assistant. It, yeah, basically, yeah. but especially though around, uh, serving at masses sure. or, or celebrations of sorts, and that's that was his ministry. Yeah, right? that's, that great. Was his ministry. that's great. Now, um, of the seven first deacons that yeah. they ordained in the Acts of the Apostles, the most famous one would be Stephen. We've talked about Stephen, I believe, As on another episode, yeah. uh, because uh, his feast day is the day after Christmas yeah. on December twenty sixth, and he is. Known pretty much as the first Christian martyr, yeah, like the yeah. one who died. Was, he was stoned to death. After right? Jesus' death. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he was stoned to death. And uh, Paul yeah. was present there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Saul was kind of a witness to Stephen's uh, death. So this goes back right to the Acts of the Apostles. And for a while there, like throughout the, the early church, the, the tradition was that th- these deacons had this ministry to, to aid the priests, to aid the, the bishops, right? Then for a while there, Matt can, uh, <laughs> can uh, c- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that the idea of a deacon, at least a deacon who was permanently uh, a deacon, yeah. Was kind of it kind of went away for a while, 
Yeah. In the, the tradition of the church. Yeah. The way you said it before that well, was Vatican II kind of reestablished the permanent diaconate. Because right. up until that point, you had um, what, what were considered suborders. So you could be kind of a subdeacon or you could be. Um, and the idea is that like these would be, you know, what we would now consider as transitional deacons, but some of them would remain deacons for indefinite periods of time. And um, in Eastern Catholicism, they still retain suborders but at vatican ii was you know um in in roman catholicism we don't have suborders anymore and the permanent diaconate was established as kind of it's a, a re-established you would say as a dedicated ministry that's right and yeah. that happened in 1967 pope paul vi uh released a motu proprio we've seen pope francis release motu proprios on yeah. on things uh it's called sacrum diaconatus ordinum and it's basically general norms for restoring the permanent diaconate in the latin church Awesome. Yeah, so that's that's right, like following Vatican II, that this restoration of the permanent deacon came. Now, so what does a, a deacon do? Okay, so this document yeah. by Pope Paul VI lists what a deacon does, okay? So uh, I'll just name them quickly because I know there's a lot. Uh, to assist the bishop and priest during liturgical actions. Okay? Makes so sense. You see them now. Yeah. Yeah, that's the the right-hand man at the, of the priest that's on the right. altar. Yeah. Uh, to administer baptism. Okay, yeah. Okay. So they can baptize. They can baptize. To reserve the Eucharist and distribute it uh, to others, to bring it as viaticum to the mm. dying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in the absence of a priest, to assist at and to bless marriages in the name of the church. So he could be the uh, witness to marriages. Mm, makes uh, sense. The, so he can marry church. people in the church. That's right. Uh, he can administer sacramentals and to officiate at funeral and burial services. So obviously these are outside of the context of the mass, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, to read the sacred books of scripture to the faithful, to instruct and exhort the people in, in the scriptures, to preside at the worship and prayers of people when, when the priest is not present. Okay. Okay. To direct the liturgy of the word in particular when the, uh, there is an absence of a priest. Okay. Uh, to carry out the duties of charity and of administration, as well as social assistance. So you see this, uh, some administrators of parishes or some uh, diocesan offices have deacons yeah. who are fulfilling these sort of administrative roles in the chancery, in the, in the diocesan gotcha. offices. Okay. Um, to It says to guide legitimately in the name of the parish priest and of the bishop remote Christian communities. Hmm. So I've heard of this. So especially like uh, I lived up in Thunder Bay and they yeah. had some flying communities in Moosonee and Thunder and right. and all that stuff. And sometimes the deacon presided over a Sunday celebration because they wouldn't have mass because the pre they had three priests, I think, in one That's of the right. dioceses. Mm -hmm. And so the, the priests would fly around to the communities once a month. But on other Sundays, the deacon that was living in the community would step up and and read the gospel and like they do like a small it's service. a liturgy of the word so yeah, the, exactly. the priest when he visits once a month because we have communities in our own diocese that that have that That's situation so the priest when he visits will consecrate the eucharist yeah. in larger numbers uh it will be reserved in the tabernacle and then on these sundays when there is no priest available in these remote communities yeah. the deacon leads a liturgy of the word so it's still like uh you, you know, he can still lead the opening prayer, and and yep. then there's a, the first reading of the psalm, the second reading of the, the gospel. gospel. The deacon could give a homily. Yeah, and uh, you can't then, do the deacon couldn't do the Eucharistic prayer, but no. because he can't sit. From He's, my understanding, yeah. he can do almost like in ordained being in ordained holy orders, he can't. The only, one of the few things he can't do 
that a priest can do. He can't stand in persona Christi. Yeah, that's right? right. And so he can't stand in the person of Christ. So the two places that I know of, or maybe three, if you correct me, um, but the two places I know for sure is it during the consecration. That's right. Um, you know, and then during confession. That's right. And then sacrament of the sick. So a, a deacon cannot administer the sacrament of the sick. No. Only a priest can administer the sacrament yeah, of the okay, sick. Yeah, okay. Because that's healing and again in the... Exactly, and and oftentimes confession is part of the sacrament of the sick. Oh, okay, right? yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Could he? Um, so not the sacrament of the sick. Could he potentially? Like I know a bishop is the one that normally confirms people, mm-hmm. but under special permission, I know that a priest could confirm people. That's right? right. And can a can a deacon do that in the same? Do you know? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, mean, I guess on that, yeah. but I I'm I'm gonna say no. Because normally, I mean, yeah. I, if the bishop can't do it, like we were talking about COVID times, the bishop yeah. couldn't get around to all the churches, especially with all the restrictions and everything else. Then the priest could step in and confirm. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's kind of so like the priest. Uh, the bishop does delegate a priest to like. Confirm. For example, if I had to impart the sacrament of confirmation on yeah. someone. Outside of the Easter Vigil, yes, I have to I have to get the uh, special permission, permission. Of, yeah. of the bishop, that makes right? Sense. Um, and I, I, I've never heard. It's a, it's a good question. I've never heard of a deacon yeah, given that okay. permission we'll or even able to. Yeah, right? that's. But the only thing that I'm doubting is because in our situation, anyways, we have a remote communities. Maybe in a remote community and under and very the, special circumstances under special circumstances yeah. the deacon can be given that permission we'll have to look I that up yeah. we'll figure that out Matt that's your job <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those are those are what the doc de modo proprio by Pope Paul VI lists okay. as sort of the the, the uh, roles of a deacon okay and I, I just want to I want to reflect a little bit on uh, during the ordination because we are the deacons do receive the sacrament of holy orders I want to make a distinction because um, for someone to be a deacon, okay, in Canada, anyways, there is an age, yeah, requirement, and as Canada, in most parts of Canada, the age is between thirty-five mm-hmm. and sixty years old. Some say sixty-five, and some dioceses will make special permission, yeah, on either side of those. But for the most part, it's thirty-five to sixty years old. Um, they should already be married, okay, and have been married for a considerable amount of time, like yeah. maybe seven to ten years or so, uh, to qualify for admission to the sort mm-hmm. of formation program. Now, single men who are not married, they'll be required to make a commitment to celibacy. Yeah. Okay? And not permitted to marry after they're ordained yeah. to the permit diaconate. See, I would yeah. be I would be wondering, I mean, I'm, if God was to call someone to that, I can imagine that, that happening, but why wouldn't you just look seriously at becoming a priest? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you're making similar commitments, except yeah. you're just not in the ability to act uh, persona Christi. Right. Now, I mean, there might be specific reasons why you couldn't become a priest or whatever, but sure. you know, that would be, right? Yeah. I was in attendance uh, at a, a the diaconate ordination yeah. where one of the candidates was a single man oh, yeah, I, who took a promise of celibacy. So the other candidates were, were married already. They stepped back. This particular candidate stepped forward, forward to make that solemn promise. And then the other uh, promises uh, continued. Is, is what if, okay, could a transitional deacon and a permanent deacon make their vows at the same time? Like, is it the same celebration? Is it the same... For the yes, most of part? course, yeah. of course they could. Other than the one, it could be, it could be 
one celebration. Yes, yeah. I've often seen them separate. I've seen yeah. permanent deacons ordained in one ceremony, transitional deacons ordained in another ceremony. But there's nothing stopping it, right? So here are the promises a deacon makes. Yeah. Okay, uh, during the ordination, so the elect, those are who are candidates for the diaconate, they stand. Okay. And they're asked, like, do you resolve to be consecrated for the church's ministry by the laying on of the hands and the gift of the Holy Spirit? So is there an openness? They have to declare that, right? Uh, Do you resolve to discharge the office of deacon with humble charity in order to assist the priestly order and to benefit the Christian people? Humble charity. I like that. (laughs) Humble charity. Okay. Do you resolve to hold fast to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience as the apostle urges? And to proclaim this faith in word and deed according to the gospel and the church's tradition. Cool. So asking for fidelity here to the yeah. church. Um, then those who are preparing to embrace the celibate state make that promise, if, that, if that's what they're going to do. Then the next promise is this. Do you resolve to maintain and deepen the spirit of prayer that is proper to your way of life? So we can talk with that. Yeah. Mm. And in keeping with this spirit and what is required of you to celebrate faithfully the liturgy of the hours with and for the people of God and indeed for the whole world. You promise that, that you're going to pray the liturgy of the hours. Now, for those who are listening who don't understand what the liturgy of the hours are, the liturgy of the hours are um, a, a type of liturgical prayer that we promise to pray. And by we, I mean ordained ministers. There's five times a day where we pray. And it's really just praying through the Psalms, right? And some scripture. Yeah. And uh, so there's five times a day where we stop to pray. So deacons, permanent deacons, they... Uh, they they promise to pray that. No, they promise to pray all five times, or is there? Because I've heard other, I've heard other times. Okay, it's morning and evening prayer. Or... Sure, and this is what for like uh, for the permanent deacon. Yeah, it says uh, in keeping with what is proper to mm-hmm. your way of life, and in keeping with the spirit gotcha. that is required of you. So some deacons will say, "Well, I pray my morning prayer and evening prayer." Yeah, right. Uh, like whereas I pray five, five times, times a day. day. Yeah. Right. So I think that's, you know, it's always comforting when we talk about this and especially specifically liturgy of the hours is that knowing that priests and deacons specifically, or bishops, even for that matter, um, those people that are preaching the word of God, those people that are speaking on the word, yeah. um, as long as they're faithful to their vows, right. right? They're, they're, they're praying five times a day or sure. they're praying on a regular basis. And that doesn't, that just make sense. Yeah. You know, course. like that they would, that w- those people that are preaching and, and leading God's people just, you know, both obviously in the priesthood, but specifically the diaconate too, yeah, is that agreed. these people are getting up and preaching the gospel and speaking homily, like uh, giving homily. Yeah. And there's a cool part at the end of uh, these questions here yeah. uh, where the bishop hands over the book of the gospels. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that, that again. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, it, and then it says, do you resolve to conform your way of life to the example of Christ of whose body and blood you are ministers at the altar? So the deacon is also charged with distribution of the Eucharist, right? That's why you see the deacon, the priest and the deacon distributing the Eucharist Eucharist, uh, at Mass. And then the last question is, do you promise respect and obedience to me and my successors? So respect and obedience to the bishop. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this is the cool part that uh, I... uh, So the, the, the newly ordained deacon... So this after those promises, the bishop prays the prayer of ordination. Yeah over the deacon after the ordination. So they're, they're vested yeah. with their, uh, 
uh, stole and yeah. Dalmatic. So Dalmatic is the name of the um, uh, liturgical garment yeah. that the uh, the vestment that the deacon wears. Then they go to the bishop. Okay, they kneel before the bishop. And the bishop places the book of the Gospels in the hands of these newly ordained mm. deacons. Okay. And he says this. Receive the gospel of Christ whose herald you have become. Believe what you read. Teach what you believe. And practice what you teach. Mm. Love it. It's beautiful. That's great. Yeah. And then the bishop stands and gives the kiss of peace to each new deacon. But it's we're entrusting. That's what the deacon's role is to read the gospel, proclaim the gospel at mass, and he of course has and to live the gospel and to, to live, live the gospel, gospel. Yeah. and to preach the gospel. But this year, like, believe what you read, teach what you believe, practice what you teach. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. So does we so should say that to everyone who's confirmed <laughs> in the Catholic faith. <laughs> you really should. <laughs> okay. So then, when we're talking about the the. Um, duties of a deacon. Yeah. We kind of went through that. Yeah. Do does a deacon need to be open? Well, maybe open to all of them. Does a deacon have to perform all those duties? So, for instance, what if right. you're really mm. nervous at like public speaking, sure, or something like that? Like you, you, you started to shake when you got in front of people. Yeah. Would you be required to read the gospel necessarily? Well, uh, there, you know, so. I guess we should have mentioned that there is a formation process. How many? Like, uh, how long is that? Roughly? Usually, yeah. it's typically four years okay. for a deacon. Uh, gathering once a month. Okay. And uh, like, so for me, I was in the seminary for six years and yep. that was full time. Yeah. For deacons, we acknowledge like deacons should have a career, like should have mm-hmm. a, uh, a a life outside of the church because part of their mission is to witness mm-hmm. in the world that they're already existing in the, the like the witnessing in the in the workplace in the in the social circles they yeah. have in yeah. the community that they live right yeah. so w- they can't go full-time to school that's right so it's usually a four-year program gathering once a month so there's formation there so there's public speaking training there's sc- scripture training there's liturgical training there's uh, church history there's canon law like all those things that you would be trained in so we're hoping that someone who's tasked with being a herald of the gospel mm-hmm. would, through their training, be able to proclaim the gospel. Makes sense. Now, preaching is a different story, mm-hmm. like giving a homily. Yeah. Some might not have the ability to give a homily, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like reading the gospel or proclaiming the gospel. If you're going to be a herald of the gospel, yeah. I would say you better you better be comfortable reading the gospel mm-hmm. or proclaiming the gospel yeah. or else perhaps yeah. maybe discernment from the church is that you maybe are better suited at something else other than a deacon. So the yeah. four years, that's part of like the training of course. or, or so the discernment. people discerning for you as yeah. well. Like okay, you are discerning, you're praying through yeah. it and the church is discerning. Okay, so good. your formators, <laughs> your bishop, your like if there's a diaconate director or vocations director, they're yeah. also involved in that, right? So you're not just, so this is one of the questions that I think I, uh, I, I, I thought about or that I, when I had this discussion, a lot of people are like, well, you don't just get to choose to be a deacon. Right. You Like there is a, there's both the, church deciding sure and then you're deciding like mm-hmm. and yeah and it's not together. just completing a certain amount of time it's not like going to high school for four years and you graduate and now you're a doctor it's, kind of yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh there is more involved yeah in it it makes right? sense yeah, yeah it makes sense so but i would have if someone is terribly terribly yeah. incapable of pro- of proclaiming yeah. the gospel i would have doubts about 
their uh, but like you said, they don't have to get yeah. homilies so much. Sure. But they do now, have homilies to... is another thing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, people should be well-versed to be able to open up the scriptures to people. Like, that's a, a homily. If you're a minister, an ordained minister of the church, you should be able to give a good homily to people that is going to inspire them and, and let them know. I mean, I don't mean inspire like every homily has to be a wow, but yeah. we should be deepening our relationship with Jesus every time we hear a homily, right? Yeah, yeah. And my, my homiletics professor in the seminary said that if someone is incapable of giving a homily, like someone just wasn't a good preacher, yeah. and we've all heard them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if someone's not a good preacher, that he said that would be something uh, of an impediment to ordination. And what, I, what he meant by that was mm. a concern if, he, if this man should be ordained. Interesting. And I used to think about I said, that's kind of harsh, I thought to myself when yeah. I first <laughs> heard it. And then I started to really pray about it and think about it, and I was like, no. I think he's right. If yeah. we can't take what we believe and explain it to others, yeah. that's yeah, like that a sense. major part yeah. of our vocation. Yeah. A major part yeah. of our vocation. Heralds and of the gospel. If you, if we're heralds of the gospel. Because it's, you know, it, there's, it's like the homily is like 10 minutes long or whatever it might be. But if you can't explain the gospel in 10 minutes to a, to a crowd of faithful people, I would have concerns about being able to share the gospel in other ways as well yeah. right so i i thought i thought his words were even though i thought they were harsh at first i thought they were uh, they were good in the end I, when you're discerning the diaconate i just wonder sometimes too like what would somebody be looking at i remember one time i talked to a priest about this uh, a couple years back and one of the things that he really said was he said look why do you want to become a deacon what is it that you want out of the diaconate program what is it like because because that kind of tells us where your heart is at right mm -hmm. and so take away the jobs of the deacon and would you still become a deacon and that's what he kind of said so like for instance <laughs> um sometimes people want to hear themselves preach the homily sure yeah. right and stuff so, so he said so take that away if all of a sudden now the church declared that deacons aren't allowed to preach the gospel or not to not to do a homily would you still want to be a deacon if all of a sudden now the church said that you're not allowed to do baptisms or to do weddings yeah. or to do, you know, or funerals or whatever. Would you still want to be a deacon? And then he said, now, if, if, the, if they took away the opportunity to serve on the altar, would you still want to be a deacon? And so kind of what was cool for me was when I was looking at it and thinking about it at that time, um, I wasn't at that age of 35 yet, so mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry. Like, I, I, I knew I couldn't do it, but I was thinking about it at the time. You're way so, past it now. Right? Yeah, I'm way past <laughs> it now. But at that time, I remember thinking, okay, I don't have to worry about that for a couple of years. Um, but it, it, is, it is something really good, like when you're discerning whether mm -hmm. you're going, like if you, if you want to look at that and while you're discerning, like, yeah, what, why, what is the reason behind, what's, yeah. why is your heart being called that way? And, and for me, I was thinking, oh, wow, yeah. So if I took away the homilies, yeah, I wouldn't care about that. Like, you take away that, oh, you couldn't baptize. For me, it was serving on the altar. We kind of, that's mm -hmm. the draw, which is kind of cool for me. You know what I mean? Uh, for me, it's kind of like, oh, that's what I would love. To, I would love to stand on the altar and be right there, you know? Which yeah. Is kind of cool. Yeah. And for like a, a, a bunch of us who are kind of yeah. talking about this and discerning it, and they, like there, there are parts of it that are attractive, but like yeah. recognizing first and foremost that it's, it's a call to service. Yeah. So that, you know, even, and, and again, um, a lot of the, the requirements are in the absence of a priest, you can do this. In the absence. You're, yeah, yeah. But there are aspects of it that, like, this is something you're expected to do. Like, you're expected right. to visit 
people in prison, widows, the, like all, all of those kind of service roles. Yeah. It's not, you know, just if the priest can't do it, you're like, this is, this is actually a core and essential part of mm-hmm. your role as a deacon. So exactly what you're saying that like, take away the parts that may or may not be attractive. Are you called to the service component of it? Yeah. Because that's, you know, that those, those are the, those are the deacons we want. It's yeah. true. And, and yeah. back to that humble service that yeah. we were talking about, right? Yeah. And I, I agree with you because this is the ministry of the deacon. The ministry mm-hmm. of the deacon is humble service to the church, working together with the pastor yeah. and the bishop and finding a suitable way to minister to the people of God. Sometimes it doesn't work out like that. Like sometimes a deacon is concerned with his own uh, mission. Uh, sometimes a priest doesn't share the mission with the deacon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that kind of happen uh, in in situations, right? But to work together, when, when we're working together as a common mission, uh, like in, in our parish, we have a, a deacon who's amazing, who, yeah. who's humble servant of the church, mm-hmm. right? And uh, sometimes I would really ask people who are discerning the diaconate, am I ready to be a humble servant? Because like, am I ready to drop things that are inconvenient for me in order to go visit the sick, mm-hmm. in order yeah. to do uh, to celebrate a funeral, in order to be there for a baptism? Or am I going to be someone who's going to pick and choose how I want to help the church? I know some deacons uh, who do that. And yeah. it's not it's it's not a good witness uh, for the people of God. And it, it, it doesn't help the relationship between uh, the deacon and the pastor or the deacon and the parishioners yeah. when they pick and choose and they show up just when they are yeah. scheduled when they to preach to. Yeah. or just when they're scheduled for a baptism. Yeah. It's an encompassing ministry. I also should share that when a, when a, uh, a man is married, mm-hmm. yeah. he cannot move forward in the permanent diaconate program without the full consent and acceptance of his wife. I think you already kind of said that when you said they have to be married for a couple of years. Any yeah. guy worth his salt yeah. knows. Yeah, yeah. And in fact... After 10 years, you can't do anything, anything anyways, without the without... full and free consent of your wife. Is that, yeah. That's right. And in fact, um, part of the formation program for a deacon, yeah. it also involves the wives. Mm-hmm. So I that know like uh, in, in the seminary that I studied at, uh, when they have permanent diaconate weekends, the wives are Would invited come to attend so that it's a, the wife is starting to understand what the husband is entering, like what ministry the husband is, is about to enter. It's different if you were to come home after a week in a formation and tell your wife about it. Yes, versus experiencing if it If she's herself. hearing it, if she's also seen the change in you, or she's challenging you to say, hey, yeah. Like by this point, mm-hmm. is your heart really there? Like your wife yeah. knows you, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, wi- the, the wife is involved in, in the process as well. I, I think to okay. myself is, is I don't know how I do ministry the way I do. Min- like I do a lot of ministry, but I couldn't possibly do ministry without the support of my wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that makes 100% sense to me that you, your wife would have to be, first of all, on board, but also that it would be something that you would do together as a couple. Yes. Because yeah. while, while you are, I'm going to say the face of the ministry she's the support behind right does that make sense yeah, like absolutely. so and yeah. and also you want to make sure that as a couple they're a living example of what they're supposed to be in their in their family life and everything right yeah, yeah and uh so people have asked like should uh should a deacon wear a clerical attire collar, like a yeah. roman collar and they are permitted to uh they are permitted to they don't have to they don't have to 
And uh, they should, if they're going to wear one, they should be ready to clarify that they're mm-hmm. not a priest. That they're if, deacon. If someone says, oh, Father, uh, you know, I need you to anoint my, yeah. you know, they're walking through a hospital. Yeah. They need to be quick to, uh, to be able to correct that. Mm-hmm. And uh, some would say that it's not appropriate for a deacon to wear the clerical attire like when he's just out oh. and about. Like he's going for work, groceries. If he's yeah. at work or he's yeah. going for groceries. So the title diaconate. That, so like Father Daniele, yeah. I call you Father Daniele, whether we're visiting, we're out fishing, we're out, wherever we are, I just call you Father Daniele because that's your title, but that's also you know yeah. in ministry and everything else. Would someone like and I call Deacon Al and Deacon Al, right? Yes. So like I call him, but I see him mostly <laughs> in ministry roles. Yes. Would would it be proper for someone to be called Deacon? Like if I became a Deacon, Deacon Josh at my profession, like I'm a teacher. So like, does that make sense or is that a weird thing? Because you're a Deacon of the church, but it's not your full time occupation. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And I would say that there's nothing wrong with, with it. being called it. Yeah. Deacon. There, there is a spiritual reality that you were ordained a deacon. Mm-hmm. So having people refer to you that way is not, as I would say, is it coming from the right place? Yes. Is it call. coming from like the, the, the humble service yeah. that a deacon yeah. is called to? Yeah, right. Sure. Um, or is it like, I'm a deacon now? Call me Deacon Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're if you're requiring like the way the way that some people require you to call a doctor. I'm from the post secondary education. You right. know, some people yeah. want to be called doctor. Now they've worked towards it and everything else. And I think they deserve it, just like a priest having that title and everything yeah. else. But yes, if they're asking it for for a position of authority or position of who they are, then that's different, right? Yeah, and I think on the other side of that, like yeah. in church circles, yes. I know it's been the practice, at least in the local area that we are. Yeah. That people just call deacons by their first name. Yeah. Also, people do that with sisters. Yeah. Religious sisters. or And some people try it with priests. Yeah. And I know that um, I've corrected people when they call me by my first name. They just call you Danielle. Yeah. Okay. And I correct it. I don't think it's appropriate. No. And it's not coming from a place of, look at me, call me by my name. No. It, there's a spiritual reality that ordination confers on a person. Yeah. And uh, this familiarity is coming from the wrong place. Like, I know mm. locally anyways, when people call me by my first name and don't call me father. Yeah. It's this like, we're all on the same Plain field, <laughs> like it's this like nineteen seventies, yeah, yeah, reality of like we're all the same. Yeah, well, we're not all the same. Yeah, priests, bishops, and priests and deacons have been set apart and ordained. That doesn't mean they're better than you. No, no, and by by all <laughs> means, it doesn't mean that. But we've been set apart. Sisters have been set apart. They've mm. given their life to service of the church. Yeah, deacons, I, priests, bishops oh. have given their life to service of the church. And so we refer to them as the proper title. We respect them in that. And deacons the same. Yeah. Okay. You know, and uh, I think I think it's a sign of respect from the people of God, mm. and it doesn't take that much of an effort to call no. someone deacon. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> or father, or bishop, your excellency, sister. You know, and so that's that's something I want to say. Also, you might see a deacon's name as Reverend Mister. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, that would be like. 
if someone wrote my name, I would have Reverend instead yeah. of Father, Reverend, you know. So Reverend Mister is the correct way of, For a, deacon. of a formal way of referring to a deacon. But can I, like uh, in other ways, just deacon uh, the title before their name. Now, so before, um, I know that we, just to kind of throw a, um, something in the mix, we had, um, okay, well, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this one right now, but we, we had the wives of the deacons. At one time, they played a more prominent role or whatever else the case in the church. Yeah. Uh, we can't really talk about that right now. We're running out of time, I know. But so right now, those wives, their main role is to sort the deacon, right? Yes. So the wives are an important part, part yeah. of the process of... Uh, of the deacon's formation. Yeah. Like I said, you wouldn't want to do something that your wife is totally not against or <laughs> to- totally not uh, comfortable with. No. They're going to they're going to hold hold against yeah. you when you go out and have to ordain somebody that I mean yeah. bless somebody who's dying or something. Especially when the the vows and the like are represent such a fundamental change. Like it's it's not just a title. Yeah. It's not just something that it's like you're actually reorienting your entire life towards this ministry. That's right. So to do that in opposition to your spouse, I can't imagine that working yeah. working very well. Exactly. So you would yeah. And like you said, yeah. like you gotta get up and go or something like yeah. that. You know, the, the wife has to understand that that's and your ministry, that's your calling. Two quick questions because we're done. Yeah. Uh, does a deacon get paid? No. no, not normally, unless <laughs> they have like a, uh, uh, I mean, they're, you know, they get stipends for funerals or weddings and things like this, but is there a salary for deacons unless they have like a role in the chancery office or something like that that warrants a salary? Uh, no, it's a it's a ministry of service and charity. And where, if people are discerning uh, being a deacon, where do they go? Well, I would say to talk to your vocations director in your diocese uh, or the bishop's office, whatever um, you know, whatever uh, is the situation in the diocese that people are listening from. So if uh, there's any other questions that we haven't answered on the permanent diaconate, this is a fruitful conversation, I thought, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if people are, are thinking about a serv- serving the church as a, as a deacon, pray about it. Start praying about it. Talk to your vocations director and uh, see if the Lord is calling you to this beautiful ministry. I really enjoyed my year as a deacon and I'm still a deacon. I was ordained a deacon. That doesn't go away No, when I'm a priest. I carry that humble service into my priesthood right that's cool if you have any questions about the permanent diaconate or anything to add to the conversation drop us a line at ask us at the catholic buzz.com or leave a comment on our facebook or instagram pages so that's all the time we got today for josh sullivan and deacon matt van milligan my name is <laughs> father daniele we'll see you next time on the catholic buzz <laughs>